Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the WM32 Football Podcast. And today it is myself and Nelson, and we will be discussing everything regarding the big news um, in the world of football over the last sort of two weeks or so. Um, And we're going to be discussing the um, European Super League. Um, It was a massive, massive uh, thing that that sort of took off um, in the last week or so. Um, and then sort of grinded to a halt pretty quickly. Um, but that being said, um, me and Nelson are still going to discuss it, still go through um, our thoughts um, and the pros and cons uh, for it. So Nelson, um, just give us a little bit of a breakdown, if you can, on the on the details regarding uh, this European Super League um, and, and what, what it sort of entailed. No problem. Um, so... Um, I am obviously the facts guy. I have my facts ready uh, for each episode. Um, but yeah, the Super League uh, was announced obviously about uh, nearly two weeks ago. And it was basically 12 of Europe's leading football clubs announcing a, a, a new midweek competition. Um, and it was kind of a competition that would rival UEFA Champions League. Um, so the 12 founding members included the Premier League Big Six, as we know, in Arsenal, City, United, Liverpool, Chelsea and Spurs. And then you also had the likes of other teams from other leagues. You had um, Barcelona, Madrid and Atletico from Spain. Uh, You also had AC Milan, Juventus and Inter Milan uh, from Italy. So they were the founding members. Um, And it was anticipated that a further three clubs would join ahead of the the first season. uh, And they wanted to commence basically as soon as possible. And I think the likes of Bayern Munich, and Dortmund and Paris Saint-Germain, these were three clubs that people were expecting to join, but they declined the invitation. You had the likes of Porto, who also uh, declined the invitation as well. So basically, it was a new midweek competition, kind of a breakaway Super League that would have rivaled uh, the UEFA Champions League. And they were looking, the teams were looking to participate in this midweek competition, as well as remain in their own domestic league as well. So that was a little uh, brief uh, summary of the Super League. Yeah, no, I think that's. Uh, I think you've summed it up pretty well there. Um, to be fair, so you know, well done, you. Big pat on the back. Uh, so Nelson, with that, then um, there must be some sort of financial incentive for these for these guys. What what are we looking at then in terms of the finances for for clubs? You know that that signed up essentially for this for this European Super League. So the the wow. When reading this and looking at the facts of the financial incentive, it the clubs just for entering, so the 12 founding members just for entering the Super League would have got around $425 million just for accepting the invitation. Um, and this is, I think this equates to roughly $350 million, uh, million, uh, million pounds, sorry, uh, for us. Um, so that's big compared to, you know, if you win, if a team wins the UEFA Champions League, they roughly get, I think, a maximum of 80 to 100 million, which is obviously much less than what they would have got for joining the Super League. So those are kind of the financial kind of incentives. I think the league would have generated, I think, over a billion pounds in terms of revenue because um, you've got all these big clubs that are here together, um, you know, with all the money that they have. Um, yeah, it was going to create a lot of money because obviously they wanted to get some TV rights and stuff to be able to broadcast these games. So, yeah, in terms of the main thing that came out of, you know, the, uh, the the announcement of the Super League was, you know, if the clubs accepted an invitation, 
that was just that was the amount of money that they were just going to get just for inviting so yeah that's that's pretty much current financial kind of uh info that i have nice nice love the uh the kind of breakdown once again in terms of the the finances and the level um of money that, that that's at stake um if you like uh for, yeah. for these clubs um so nelson when it was announced um with this european super league as as people know or you know if you are new watching they may not know you are an arsenal fan um so you're on the red side of north london um how did you react to it are you are you for the european super league are you against it you know what was your sort of feeling when it was announced and in general but then also knowing that your club um had, had signed up for it so in general, I think I wasn't too, obviously we know that a lot of people took this seriously and took it to heart. And as a general football fan, I don't think it affected me as much simply because there was an opportunity for me as a neutral, from that neutral perspective, to actually enjoy quality football week in, week out you know, with this new midweek competition. I think that was something that, as a fan, I was just looking forward to. Like, you always look forward to the big games between the biggest clubs in the world. And for this Super League to happen, that was an opportunity for myself as a fan, just a neutral, to see that. But obviously, you mentioned the fact that, you know, my club, being Arsenal, was one of the founding members um, of the Super League. And with the news that came out that we were one of the founding members, it did kind of, I would say, hurt in a sense that, you know, the values that we hold as Arsenal Football Club to kind of, you know, delve into the Super League just for financial gain when when the owners know, especially at Arsenal, know that there's no way that this is actually going to benefit the fans in terms of how they're going to be involved in this without even consulting the fans or whatever. Like, that's why I really liked the, um, the German model because the German model is where fans, you know, have a majority kind of stake, um, like kind of have like a majority ownership. Um, and that was something that interested me because, like, that's them, you know, having communication with their fans to be able to say, okay, there's something that, you know, we would like to go into. But no, Arsenal didn't do that. Um, and I just felt as though, from an Arsenal perspective, yeah, it was kind of Arsenal, as Thierry and Reese, I think Arsenal showed their hand, you know, just, you know, dismissing everything that the club stands for. Uh, so that, from my perspective, was, as an Arsenal fan, yeah, I wasn't particularly too happy with that. So, I was kind of against us. As long if if we weren't in it, I don't think it would have affected me at all. Because at the end of the day, you're just and I'm an outsider. Like I'm I'll be an outsider with the other founding members, kind of dealing with all the drama that we've seen in the last few days, as you know the announcement was made. But knowing that my club was in it, um, it really hurts because it just meant that you know they kind of, I think they created a lot of damage, and the, the relationship now between the fans and the club has gotten even worse. So, yeah, that's kind of my take on it. Uh, how are you as well, you know, being a fan, a Spurs fan, you know, really white side of North London and knowing that your club was also a family member, how, how, how did you find out? How did you find it? Um, this will probably shock a lot of people. Um, and I've actually had discussions with a few people regarding the Super League. Um, I was for it, to be honest. I was for it for a, to a certain point. I have to say, um, you know, if it is something that is to essentially replace the Champions League almost, then I kind of don't see 
there being too much of an issue there. I think the yeah. model that the European Super League is following, it looks like they've taken from American sports. Um, and obviously, I know you're a big, uh, you know, NBA fan and, and things like that. You know, we've we've watched MLS games in in our times when we when we were both out in America, yeah. um, and it's a it's a system that is that still works. Yeah. You know, yeah, people say that it's it's a system that is flawed and things like that. Well, you tell that to those guys over there. Um, you know, it's not competitive or things like that, but there's still prizes at the end of it. Um, you know, there's still like the MLS Cup that, that you know you win the playoffs. You know, you got the the NBA kind of thing all going off down there. Um, you got the Super Bowl um, yeah. for for NFL. So I think that particular model was something that they've looked at and tried to adapt it to football in Europe. Yeah. The thing is, in Europe we're a bit more protective over things. So when something new happens, we re we resist a lot more. Um, but no, if it if it was for like I say, if it was to to replace the Champions League, then personally I didn't see too much wrong with it. Um, but I think I personally think the reaction of a lot of people has kind of been blown up out of proportion. Um, I, I look at it and I go, you know, from a business perspective, if you know these these owners of, of football clubs and, and chairmen, they've look, they're not stupid people. They've they've clearly looked at the finances. Yeah. have gone right this is what how much revenue we can generate and then this is what we can get off the back of it i think it's a bit for those guys it was a bit of a no-brainer um but i think their business heads almost has overruled i wouldn't say common sense but it's overruled like the the football aspect um but no, I was definitely for it. I don't think any, if I take English football as an example, I don't think the Premier League would have suffered as badly as people think. The only way it would have suffered is revenue-wise because those big six um, generate the most revenue out of the league. Um, but actually, I think, barring maybe one or two sort of freakish seasons over like the last decade... Um, and if I'm going to include this season in that and probably the year that Leicester won the league, the top six has kind of been set and it's just a case of who finishes where. Yeah. Um, and then it's there's then then there's usually like a massive gap between, you know, those top six and the rest. I think there was one year where Burnley finished seventh, but they hadn't won in 11 games, but they didn't move uh, from, from seventh position. Um, so I actually think if you take those big six out of the Premier League, you might actually get a more competitive league. Um, off the back of it um, so I personally don't think there would have been much I don't think it like English football I don't think would have died um, it, as, as what's being reported um, I think the pyramid would have still stayed very healthy um, I think as well uh, the fact that within the Super League clubs can get voted in I think that helps to a certain degree obviously yes there is that sporting merit and you know if you perform better than somebody else then yes you should deserve to you know the rewards that come with that because you know if for example the if I take Tottenham and Arsenal you know yeah. you're guaranteed essentially European football so in the Premier League you can just disregard it you can play your 23s and your under 18s in most games um, yeah. and just focus solely on that so I think that's where 
like I say, if if it would have replaced the actual domestic leagues, then I think things would be a bit different. And perhaps my take on it and my view on it would be different because ultimately, yes, you want you still want to see your team competing in its home competition. Um, but yeah, I think something needs to be revamped in Europe um, and and whatnot. But I mean, for me, I was all for it because I, I was just thinking, well, actually, who would I rather as a fan? Like, who would I rather watch? playing you know would I rather watch and this is no disrespect to to these professionals um, but would I rather watch Chris Wood and Joel Linton and um, you know Carl and Grant every week or would I rather watch Messi, Ronaldo and Bappe and Neymar you know I know you said that PSG voted out but I think eventually they would have they will join the party because it will be a case of look at what you could have had and I think those owners will cave in and join in eventually Um, so for me it's a no-brainer. I think, like you said, every football fan wants to watch the best players in the world. You know, everybody wants to watch the best players in the world. So, as a fan, it's a no-brainer for me. Again, you know, you get you're getting the opportunity to see some of the best players in the world. Um, you know, I was fortunate enough to be at the Carabao Cup final on Sunday, uh, City versus Tottenham. You know, I'm watching one of the best teams that I've probably ever seen in Manchester City. I'm seeing some of the best players in the world, the likes of De Bruyne and, and players like that. Phil Foden was just on another level and the way he plays the game is different class. Um, I would have still got that in the European Super League, um, but I'd perhaps just get better quality games as opposed to, you know, watching the the low quality games. And I even remember growing up, like, as a, as a Tottenham fan, as a member, it was like, you know, take any sort of game that you can. So most of the time I'm going to watch Blackburn Blackburn and, and Wigan and, 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 you know, games like that, you know, the less high-profile games. I'm getting on to my dad, saying, Dad, come on, I want to go see United, I want to go see Arsenal, I want to go see Liverpool, and I want to, you know, go yeah. see Chelsea, all those games. But, you know, unfortunately, the Blackburns and the Wigans, and that was all we could get at the time. Um, so, yeah, no, like I say, for me, I was for it to a certain point, I have to say. Um, like you say, if it was that... that to replace the Champions League, I saw I see a bit more sense in it. Um, yeah, to replace the, the domestic leagues, I think that's when it gets a bit tougher because yeah. um, because of things then like logistics and things like that. And ultimately, it's like, well, what are what are you what are we watching? It's almost as if like football's been stripped. Um, yes, you still get the high quality games, but you know you want that in a certain element, a certain time as opposed to having it um you know all the time like i wouldn't say all the time but as opposed to you know replacing what what's already there um in in terms of what you know the and not just football in this country but i think you know if i look at the spanish pyramid the the italian one you know all of those you know i don't think they would have suffered as badly perhaps as people would have made out because you know in some leagues most of the time you know, if I take La Liga, it's usually, you know, Real Madrid and Barcelona fighting it out for first and second. And then Atletico have a challenge, but then usually fall away. Um, so, you know, if you take those out of it, you know, you might get Sevilla, Valencia, Villarreal. You know, they might start coming back into conversations in terms of challenging um, for, for La Liga titles and, and stuff like that. Because I think there still are some good sides in these leagues. Yeah. But because they are at the moment so far away from the bigger or the 
you know, the bigger clubs in terms of revenue and things like that, they can't get to that level. Well, if you take those clubs out of the equation, well, surely there's there's the open door mm-hmm. essentially for you guys to Agreed. challenge. So yeah, that was just that was just my take on it um, and and whatnot. So so yeah, I think Nelson as well. What we've seen a lot of fans protesting against owners and club boards you know even seen in in the last few days that the owner of Spotify is looking to take over Arsenal um what did you make then of the fans essentially voicing voicing their opinions um I think Mikel Arteta put it perfectly in his press conference after the news was announced because the majority of managers from the founding members of clubs all had the same answer in the sense that them and the players had no idea about it until maybe 10 minutes before it was announced, you know, so they were also completely like put off guard. They were taken off guard by the fact that, Oh, okay, this super league is about to happen now. Okay. What do we do? And at the end of the day, like you kind of not well quickly, just as before I kind of answer your question. Yeah. You do kind of feel sorry. Cause obviously at the end of the day, the players, and the manager will, at maybe, I don't know if during that period of time they were obviously slated for it, even though they did never had a say in it. But um, I think, yeah, like I said, as Mikel Arteta put in his press conference, it kind of shows how strong the fans' voices are if they unite as one, because I think that pretty much showed, you know, the, the, the way the fans united. And it wasn't just, you know, we're talking just fans from different clubs we're talking every fan from every league all over the world like like you said some of it was probably blown out of proportion but just the fact that they were you know they had tunnel vision on that idea that you know super league just shouldn't happen it would break football destroy football the 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 core and soul and the heart that comes with watching you know a 90 minute game they came together and within a matter of days we now saw the clubs were essentially feeling the pressure. Chelsea were the first ones in England to decide to withdraw, and then the rest, the rest of the big six, uh, followed. So, I think um, it's, I think it just kind of shows the importance of the fans' voice um, when they do come together. Um, and, but I personally don't think that this means that the Super League is over. I still think there's something that is still in the works because. Like they wouldn't have announced this just out of the blue. They've been working on this for years to then be able to say, hey, we want to create this new league that will rival the Champions League and potentially replace it. So, um, yeah, but the one thing I would say is that it kind of showed me the importance of, you know, ha- coming together when we are really like, you know, when we care for something that deeply, if everyone sets their mind, so it puts their rivalries aside and actually come together and unite, then there is a power in that voice. And, that's what happened. So that's what I'll take away from that. What about yourself? Um, I thought it was quite interesting. Um, obviously, fans and people are allowed to have their their own opinions. Um, if I look at it from, you know, my club's perspective at, at Tottenham, the the fan base on the whole are very, well, were very very divided over Daniel Levy and the Enoch regime um, at, at Tottenham. Yeah. Um, I think now those it's swayed a little bit more towards pushing for Daniel Levy and the unit group to sell up for Levy to, you know, get relieved of his duties. 
um, and, and things like that. So, yeah, I mean, I kind of, I do understand from a fan's sort of perspective of like, right, well, you're, you're kind of taking away something that, you know, it's almost like, right, you guys have been here, say, five minutes and you're chasing money straight away, whereas we, like, the fans will always be there. Um, and so I think that context from the owners, like I sort of said before, I think that their business heads have overruled their, I wouldn't say emotion, but their footballing, I wouldn't say intelligence, but their footballing uh, heads almost. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and stuff. But yeah, I think it was just nice to kind of see, look, if you are not a fan of your your regime or your board, I think, you know, why not try and voice your opinion on that? Um, I think people do have short memories, though. I have to, I have to mention this because um, I, look at, I looked at the Super League essentially and when I was for it and I've spoken to you know my dad about it quite a lot um, and I said look essentially it's what almost happened with the Premier League nearly 30 years ago yeah good point fans weren't necessarily for it then the only difference is obviously times have changed moved on we now have the power of social media where you know protests can get um, organised and things like that um, but yeah, that, were fans really up for the Premier League 30 years ago? Probably not. Five clubs essentially brokered that particular deal for the Premier League. Uh, it was Liverpool, Man United, um, Arsenal, Tottenham and Everton at the time. Um, and I looked at the Super League as well. That's virtually similar, just on a much larger scale because it's covering Europe as opposed yeah. to just domestically. Um so, yeah, that was kind of my take on it. And if I look at, all right, yeah, like I say, Tottenham's fan base, very divided on on, on Levy and, and Enoch. Um, looks like the Arsenal fan base is similar with Stan Kroenke um, in, China, in terms of getting him out. Obviously, those ones that want them out now are getting a bit louder. But if I look at, say, for example, Chelsea and City, um, they've more or less... I wouldn't say bought their success because I, I think that's quite a cheap and throwaway comment, but, you know, they were kind of nowhere near that picture, say, beforehand. And all of a sudden, because somebody with a lot of wealth has come in and invested a lot of money within their football clubs, which they are, you know, well within their rights to do, um, all of a sudden now they're in the conversation. Um, but it's almost that, like, don't forget what happened not so long ago and why and how we've managed to get the Premier League in the first place. Um, I think United and Liverpool, I know Gary Neville's been very, very, and Jamie Carragher have been very, very critical of those two clubs. Um, but if I look at Gary Neville, obviously a co-owner at Salford, and I'm going, well, if Salford were in this position and if he looked at the, fact, the figures, would his stance potentially be different on it? Um, because Neville is very much coming out and saying he wants fair competition and, and things like that. But if you look at since his group, almost that class of 92 involved with Peter Lim, since they've uh, taken over at Salford, I wouldn't say they've been bankrolled and, and smashed through the leagues that way, but they've spent more than 
the other clubs that are involved in that in those leagues that they've been in to get them to where they are today. So um, it's quite interesting, I think, um, when when Neville comes out and says, you know, what he says, um, because obviously he is a he is a, a co-owner, but he's a co-owner of a football club that is a lot lower down the football pyramid. Whereas yeah. if his team and his club were a lot higher, I think his converse, I think his comments and the conversation he'd be having would be completely different. Um, so yeah, I think. Look, I don't. I think I'm. I'm agreeing with you in the sense that the Super League isn't going away. Um, I think it will come back. I think there will be a massive uh, revamp of it, um, and 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 whatnot. So, yeah, I just think it's the case of it's on it's on hold for now, and I think the clubs will go back, will go back into it um, very soon. Um. So, okay. So we agree that it's been placed on standby as per Florentino Perez said himself mm-hmm. you know, it's going to be on standby um it could potentially come back but do you think now UEFA because UEFA have been very critical of this too they have been I have never seen UEFA act the way they've had in my lifetime until that Super League was announced and there's obviously a comment that I want to say before the end of the show what I learned about this whole thing which I think you probably know Patrick Bamford said perfectly um, during one of his interviews. But do you think now this is a wake-up call for UEFA? Because they've recently announced a new reform of the Champions League 2024, and a lot of people have had divided opinions about it, Um, especially when I saw Ilkay Gundogan's tweet about the fact that, you know, it's kind of the lesser of two evils. Like, it doesn't, it's not quite different to the Super League in a sense that, you're getting us to play more games. And as players, you know, you're crying, you're just requiring more for us. And at the end of the day, you're trying to find new ways to make more money for yourself. So do you think that, okay, first of all, are you in favour of this new reform? And if not, what do you wait for have to do differently to try and keep the Champions League as entertaining as it is? Because more time, personally for me, I would love, like, I think the other day, I was just sitting down watching the intros of the show because I love the anthem. The anthem gets you going. Like you have that passion when you hear the anthem. You watch the players. The camera pan through all the players. Twenty-two, you know. Um, what? So, what? What's your take? Put it this way: If the actual Super League itself had UEFA or FIFA in front of it, nobody would bat an eyelid. I'm telling you, nobody would bat a single eyelid regarding this whole Super League thing. Sky, BT, they wouldn't be scaremongering fans and I think the reason they're doing that is because they're scared of the right for the Super League because I don't think they would get it Um, so I just wanted to throw that one in there Um, I think as well I'm hearing of sanctions domestically for clubs that signed up for the Super League I think the only reason the only thing I can see with that is fines um and the only f- reason why I see uh, clubs getting fined is because they may have broken something contractually whereby they've signed up for a league and they are contracted to it, say, for a season and then broke that sort of protocol to sign up for something else. Um, so, but yeah, I mean, points deductions wouldn't have worked, but I think the, the leagues will bend over backwards to keep the big clubs in there because, as I mentioned earlier, they generate the most revenue for the league um, and that kind of gives that league then the product 
of what it is. So I think yeah. club, the leagues will bend over backwards to try and keep them in there um, to make sure that they don't essentially try and go away and move away again. Um, I think your UEFA will do similar to its um, associate members. Yeah. Again, bend over backwards to try and keep them happy because they don't want to lose them. Um, again, revenues and things like that. Um, and yeah, the, the revamp of the Champions League format is arguably worse than what the Super League is. Um, but uh, yeah, that might be for another time. But um, yeah, it's it's definitely, you know, that nobody's batting an eyelid on that reform of the of the Champions League in the media. Why? I don't know. Is it the rights that the the, the companies have to it? Um, but yeah, I think, and, and you wait for saying that they're for the fans as well is a bit of a joke, yeah. uh, in, in my opinion. Um, you know, are they for the fans? If I take again Tottenham as a as an example, in recent times we've had, um, as fans, we've had away trips to the likes of Olympiacos and uh, Red Star Belgrade and things like that. So, are you wait for the fans there because they're quite they're quite long trips? Mm-hmm. I know you're playing in Europe and you can't, you know. Essentially, it's a draw, so you can't really odds who's going to play who. But are they for the fans where, you know, you're looking at a four-hour flight to Greece on a Tuesday where people have to take time off work? Are they for the fans then? Are they for the fans in the Europa League final when Arsenal and Chelsea had to go to Baku, which was an absolute pain to get to for anybody that wanted to go? Were they for the fans then? I don't think so. Was Sky a Sky and BT sport for the fans when they're trying to, make you pay £15 to watch Fulham versus Sheffield United which would have been last on match of the day anyway, I don't think so <laughs> so, you know, it's, it's really really interesting now um, I know UEFA and I think I know what the, the, the Patrick Bamford interview that you're alluding to is you know, can we get this energy into combating racism which I'm 100% for um, but yeah, it's going to be an interesting time for UEFA. Like I said, I think they'll bend over backwards to keep the, the their associate members happy because they don't want to lose them. Um, and you know, I think um, yeah, it, you know, Sky and BT now, if they're for the fans, then surely next season they've got to slash their they've got to slash their prices. Um, you know, for the subscriptions to watch to watch football. Because if they don't, then they're not. Then they're they're only paying lip service to fans at the moment because it's what they want to hear, and they are frightened of losing uh, or losing out and not getting the rights for the Super League. So they're being overcritical in terms of what how it's going to be set up and how it's going to function and everything like that. Because they 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 go right. Well, if we go in heavy, we might not we, we might not get the rights. We need to really clamp down on it and put something there, scare the fans almost to then get them to effectively be part of change, which would affect, you know, club owners. Um, that's my, that's my take on that. I don't know if you had anything different um, to add on, on that at all. No, I haven't. Um, I agree with you 100%, like, in terms of the format being much more worse than what the current competition is. Like, we all live for, you know, the typical group stage, your two teams go through, third place gets knocked in Europa League, and then the entertainment really begins from the knockout stages all the way up until the final. And 
one of the things, one, one credit I'd like to give to UEFA is, yes, when we had COVID last year, I think UEFA did a really good job in making sure that I think from, I think it was from the quarterfinals onwards, the ties became just, it was one-legged ties. There were no two-legged ties. And that was really entertaining because I think we saw uh, an increase in quality in football. In that, I mean, we saw some remarkable scores of the Barca losing 8-2. Um, we saw quite a, a last-minute comeback from PSG as well when they locked out Atalanta. So I was discussing with my brothers because we really enjoyed the Champions League. And we said that, you know, maybe this season they should stick to that. Maybe change the rules in a sense that from quarterfinals onwards, just make it one leg. At the end of the day, it's all or nothing. You're in to win it. And you're going to face the best teams during it. And I think you get a bit more. I think with two legs, it depends. Like, you obviously, let's just take City, for example. Um, City, when they beat Dortmund, um, they had to go all out for the second leg just because Dortmund had that one away goal, you know, in the first leg. And teams can kind of be reserved, especially if they have a huge lead, you know, huge lead in one leg and then decide to rest. Players. I think Sergio Ramos done it. He got, a, he got a booking against Ajax, not knowing that Ajax would come to the Bernabeu and slap them, like absolutely slap them. Because at the end of the day, that's how players react. Players sometimes don't go all in for all two legs, depending on how they, you know, perform in a tie or another. But when it's one leg, it's like, oh, okay, all or nothing, 90 minutes, let's go. And I think, personally, I really enjoyed that. But this new format, um, I don't know, man. Where's, I don't know, like... <laughs> I don't know, like, I don't get it. Like, you're having two leagues, apparently it's 20 teams. No, sorry, not 20 teams, I think 36 teams. You're having two leagues, and I just didn't get it. And I was like, yeah, this is really bad. And I I wanted to ask you, I guess, moving forward with what Ilkay Gunlian said. Um, I guess we haven't really spoken about a perspective of, of, of a player, because you mentioned you wait for we're going to have sanctions. And one of the sanctions were that if you were to be part of the Super League, there was a possibility that you wouldn't have an opportunity to represent your country, like in either the Euros or the World Cup. What's your thoughts on that? And as from, a, I guess, from a player perspective, what would a player think in that respect? Would you have seen an, ex an exodus of players now leaving clubs, you know, to then, you know, play in, you know, I guess outside the Super League? What's your take? Um, I thought it was quite uh, an interesting statement from UEFA. Um, and I think they did that to almost, again, that scaremongering tactic of, right, well, if you're going, then your players can't play in our competitions. And our competitions include this, 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 like, and all the, all the competitions that, you know, UEFA have and FIFA have. Um, it was just that scam because then all of a sudden club owners are going... Well, right, okay, what's what's going on here? Um, from the players' perspective, um, I think if I look at it, obviously financially they've probably got better rewarded for their for their efforts and for their work. Um, and I know it's the the you know almost the pinnacle of any any player's career um, for them to represent their country. So the fact that they perhaps may not have been able to do that, I think them players were going. We're a bit shocked by that. Um, would we have seen an exodus of players, say, leaving clubs? I don't know because I don't... I'm a bit undecided as to whether UEFA and FIFA would have actually gone through with that idea. Um, 
So, I mean, if they did, if they did, I think then things would have just blown up. Like, completely just... I think the world of football would have just gone, like, completely mad. Um, it would have been interesting, though, to see some of the Euros and World Cup squads going forwards, I must say, um, with that. You know, players perhaps then from the Championship, you know, a bit, you know, yeah. certainly from an England perspective, players from the Championship or or whatnot um, may have got a bit more of a look in. Um, but, yeah, I don't... Like I say, was it a bit of a throwaway comment from UEFA from FIFA just to, you know, again, put pressure on these these owners to kind of have a rethink in terms of what they were doing. Um, but no, I couldn't, I couldn't really see them going through with it um, because essentially, you know, what's a, what's a, a World Cup or a Euros, for example, again, if PSG signed up for it, what's a, what's a Euros without Mbappe, essentially, you know, what's a, another, another, you know, Euros without Haaland if Dortmund signed up, um, you know, if Neymar signed up, well, what's a, uh, if Neymar was involved with PSG, you know, what's a World Cup without Neymar and, you know, Messi and Ronaldo wouldn't have been there. So all of a sudden, again, the product that the Euros and the World Cup would sell to sponsors and partners wouldn't have been as strong. So I don't think they'd have, they'd have gone through with it. I think if they did, they would have probably done it and then spoken to partners and sponsors, realised that the product isn't as strong and then backtracked on it to then let them play because, you know, ultimately it's, you know, the World Cup is the stage you would like to think where all the best players from the, around the world come, yeah. come towards. Yeah. Um, and the Euros, you know, you get to see some, again, some of the best players in the world, but some of the best players in Europe. Um, I know that's similar, similar to the Champions League, but it's like they're all in one place and in, in one tournament. Um, again, similar to the Champions League, but obviously it's just countrified as opposed to, um, you know, domestic, a domestic competition. Um, so, yeah, no, I don't I don't think UEFA and FIFA would have personally gone through with it. I didn't know if if you agreed with that or, you know, had something different to add. Uh, no, 100% agree. Perspective. 100% agree with you, man. I think it's just, and like you said, scaremonger tactic that you said. Um, I just, I think that's that was an indication as to how stupid UEFA and FIFA could get to potentially try and bring this through and stop, like you mentioned, like some of the best players in the world from being part of one I think is the biggest prize in football. Like to lift that golden trophy is is like for your, for your country to win it. Is, is amazing and the player know, would know that um, um, so yeah I think it just kind of showed an indication of how desperate UEFA and FIFA were to you know especially UEFA to try and stop this from forming um, so yeah no I 100% agree with you I think you mentioned a really good point about I didn't think about the sponsors you know and the partners of these competitions that would actually then think oh we don't want to invest in you simply because you ain't got these names to attract you know, uh, yeah, to kind of, you know, sell us. So, no, you make a good point. So I have nothing different to say, but, um, yeah, I 100% agree with you. Fantastic. Glad we're, glad we're both on the, uh, on the day, um with that. Um, Nelson, just a final one then to kind of wrap it up for today. How long then do you think we're going to have before this conversation is 
say hot topic if you like almost again is it a case of you know maybe one or two years three to five years is it going to be in the next 10 years how long do you think before you know we see um i wouldn't say the rebirth of the super league um but you know how long is it going to be before we're having these types of discussions again perhaps about the super league um i think it all comes down to uefa personally for me because we've seen this you know, reform happen that will be set to begin in 2024. And I think if it doesn't go to plan and clubs are, you know, discontent with the, the amount of fixtures, because we, our league in particular, our managers are very, like, they're very outspoken in the sense that, you know, they, they've given their opinions, Pep, Klopp, at the fixture schedule and the congestion, you know, you know, fix, like having two, three fixtures in the space of eight days, you know, and that having an effect on the players, Especially Klopp, because we know that Liverpool have just suffered a lot this season regarding injuries. Um, so I think it's down to UEFA in a sense that, like, that it's they the ball's in their park. Well, cool, how, however you say it. So in a sense that you know, they have to now think of a way to make the Champions League more entertaining. Now, like we said, this reform will start. We'll see how it goes. If it doesn't go to plan, I can actually see it in the next, let's say, two years after this new reform, you know, happens this coming back um like it, it will be interesting as well because we're currently in the pandemic and i've got on my phone here it said that you know the founding clubs say that the formation of the super league comes at a time when the global pandemic has accelerated the instability in the existing european football economic model so essentially they're kind of showing that the pandemic or well, the pandemic has had an effect on that so i think it'll be interesting to see how things are out of a pandemic because i think the timing of this was also shocking because, like, I think Gary Neville mentioned a point of regarding the football pyramid suffering from it, but it's just the fact that we're all in a pandemic and we're all going through struggles. And for this to just come out, I think, was like, not a nail in the coffin, but it's like, come on, man. Like, we get that you have ideas, but just wait a bit, like, just postpone the announcement a bit. Because, like, you mentioned, I, met, I like the fact that you mentioned that, you know, fans have a short memory and the fact that the Premier League was announced, you know, 30 years ago. And Everything was fine, I guess, until COVID hit. But I think if COVID wasn't here and everything would continue, I don't think you'd be hearing this for the next 30, 40, 50 years, in my opinion. I just think the fact that COVID has hit and clubs have really been here, even the big clubs, like let's not, you know, you know, let's make, make a plain listen. Big clubs have also suffered. Like that's why I think, like as I mentioned the quote that was mentioned, like that's why I think they kind of thought, you know what, let's accelerate this and push this forward. But um it's on standby, as Perez said, um, and I think it depends on UEFA. If this Champions League reform doesn't work, I can see it coming back very soon. Whereas if it is successful, or if UEFA see that it's struggling and decide to, you know, revert it back to the normal, you know, structure of the competition that we're used to, and maybe put more money in a financial incentive for the winners, you know, how much people would get in terms of TV rights, you know, just being broadcasted. If you wait for put more effort into that, then I don't see it happening for maybe another decade or so. So my answer to your question is it's all basically it's in UEFA's court. Like they have, you know, the final say. What do you what do you kind of what's your opinion? Yeah, I think um, in terms of your point regarding UEFA, I think they are kind of key to it. Um, as you said, there obviously the reform of the of the Champions League is crucial to this. Um, I think probably another 10 years away, say. Um, 
I think the clubs will try and give the the new reform a little bit of time. And like you say, I think, you know, I'm completely in agreement. If it's not working, I think they'll just go, do you know what? Let's just do this Super League again. Um, and yeah, don't don't get it twisted almost. Like, yeah, clubs have suffered. Like, everybody suffered up and down the pyramid. Um, but, you know, I don't think these bigger clubs are worried necessarily about the bottom end of it. Yeah. Um, they were, they're kind of like looking after themselves um for for a change as opposed to having to look after the, the rest of football um which is it's not their duty to do it's the governing body's duty to look after its game which in this country has not happened um mm-hmm. and i think it's been a disgrace in my opinion um that it's been left to the premier league to sort the rest of the game out uh, the rest of football in this country out um but I think as well, I think it's going to take, I think, between five and ten years. But I think it needs to have, it needs to sort of be signed off by a regulator or a governing body. And I think once that happens, yeah, I think we'll see it in the next sort of five, five, ten years. Um, and I think as well, like when I was speaking to people, that's probably the, the their biggest gripe almost with the Super League. It was like, well, it's being governed by its members, like its founding members. Like there's no independent regulator like or governing body that's going to sign it off and I think that's probably the difference then between this Super League and the Premier League because the Premier League was signed off by the FA and the PFA um, in in the first instance Um, but yeah I think once once someone starts getting that little bit in motion um, I can I can certainly see it it happening in the next sort of five five to ten years for sure cool cool um yeah, well said. Um, just to put out there again for people who didn't mention, um, who didn't uh, remember what I said earlier, which Wes said, um, the one thing that you can learn from this is that you wafer when it hits their financial pockets, as Patrick Bamford said, you know, we learned that they just don't care about equality and they just don't care about dealing with things that are much important, much more important, such as racism. So I just wanted to leave, finish on that note. A perfect, perfect one note to finish on. So, guys, that is it um, for us for today. Um, we hope you enjoyed this particular episode. Um, I know that me and Nelson certainly did enjoy going through the, the European Super League. Uh, make sure you drop a like on this particular video. Comment your thoughts regarding anything that me and Nelson have said um, and any topics you want us to cover in the future as well. Uh, make sure you subscribe to the YouTube channel. We have hit over 100 subscribers. So once again, thank you to everybody that has subscribed and engaged with the content that has been produced. Um, and this is also on Spotify. So give us a follow on there. Although with Arsenal potentially getting taken over, that may have to uh, get a little bit, uh, may have to rejig that one. Um, <laughs> don't forget to follow us on all social media platforms, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok at WM32Football for more content. And don't forget, online shop is live and direct as well. Both me and Nelson are repping our hoodies today. Um, So head over to the website, www.wm32football.com forward slash shop. And you can get your very own hoodie or T-shirt or some shorts uh, ready for the the summer months. And as well, if you are watching as a particular parent, we do have our very own holiday camp that will be running 
from four days in June. So June the 1st to June the 4th. Um, so that is a half term week. And uh, all details on that are available on the website as well as all social media channels. Uh, Nelson, thank you once again for today. Um, and take care, guys. See you soon and stay safe. Bye bye.